Welcome back to Random Trek, the podcast in which I, your host, Scott McNulty, discuss a random episode of Star Trek with a non-random guest. I am continuing to have repeat guests and, uh, you know, invite people who are on the Incomparable Network to join me and talk about Star Trek as I re... No, I said this a couple episodes ago. I'm not rebooting Random Trek because it's the same thing. I'm just starting it up again. Uh, and now uh, today's episode will feature someone who I think I was thinking about this. I think I've spent more time talking about Star Trek with this person than anyone I know in my entire life. It is Jason Snell. Hi, Scott. I, I'm the repeatiest of Random <laughs> Trek guests. I was in episode one and I'm back mm-hmm. again. Uh, and of course, we talk, we talk about Star Trek on the Vulcan Hello podcast when there's new Star Trek, but this is very old Star yes. Trek we're talking we're about. We're going to talk about very, very old. old Star Trek. Before we do that, I can't imagine anyone who's listening to this does not know who you are, Jason. Hard but, to believe. Uh, perhaps you would just te- spend a moment telling people about yourself. All right. I host uh, many podcasts, including The Incomparable, um, which is the, also the network that hosts this podcast. Mm. Uh, and of course, most importantly, I co-host the Vulcan Hello podcast with Scott. Mm. Uh, we just finished up our Star Trek Discovery Season 3, week by week. And I write about computers and stuff at SixColors.com, <laughs> and I have other podcasts and, you know, stuff like that. But I will say, I'm a lifelong Star Trek fan, watched the original series as a little kid, have an incredible emotional attachment to the original series. Mm-hmm. Imagine that I've seen every original series episode probably 20, 30, 40 times because it was on five days a week when I was a kid, and that's when it soaked into my brain. However... There are some original series episodes that I have never revisited as an adult <laughs> for some reason. Mm, no one knows. And we we actually did one of those uh, on this episode or on this show a while ago. And I'm back with another one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This is an episode which I have seen probably several times before, but had only uh, the only memory I had of it was the tiny little ship on the planet. Uh, the alternative factor, uh, yes. which oh, is yes. uh, season one, episode 20 of the original series, a, a rare original series episode uh, that Jason Snell seems to, to attract. Uh, like I was going to say like catnip, but that's the other way around. Catnip would attract you. You do not attract catnip, but you're not a cat. So I don't know if catnip really is. Mm, no, I, I, I've done other ones. We did a weird Voyager episode and stuff, but I, I am, true. I looked it up. Episode 101 of Random Trek. We did a Requiem from Methuselah. That was mm. another TOS episode that I had really not seen with adult eyes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, here I am. I've, I've, if my catnip is weird, bad TOS episodes, man, I am flying. Oh, this is, this is one of the weirdest uh, episodes. And I want to, so I want to ask you something, Jason, because as I watch this episode, uh, which uh, is not very good, uh, but the, the, the main premise is that the, the universe basically is blinking on and off, which is, uh-huh. you know, uh, a big you deal. You unplug it. it. Wait 30 seconds, plug it back <laughs> in again, see if that fixes it. But it struck me that this is, this dilemma is something that could, in a modern TV show, spawn an entire season long arc of trying to figure out why the universe is blinking on and off. Oh, yeah. Because sure. that's a huge thing. And in this episode, 50 minutes, uh, Captain Kirk figures it out, but they're done. I would say even, I don't know about, you know, whether you could hang a whole season arc, although I'm sure the writers of Star Trek Discovery would, mm. but I, I here's the thing about this episode. I think the shame of it is that there's something here, and I, I don't know if a better writer, I know Gene Kuhn rewrote this a couple of times. It's still not very good. 
Um, the writer of it is, I think, like was a fr- a friend of <laughs> Gene Roddenberry's who worked with him when oh, when yeah. they were both on like the in the on the police force or something or on mm-hmm. the highway patrol. So you know, it, it's not very good, and yet at its core, I think you could do a version of this story, especially today, that would be super compelling. I think there's actually a really great premise here that is mishandled ignored (laughs) confused uh, fumbled and then they give up and the episode is over like there's so many things that go wrong and yet i could pitch a different version of the alternative factor that i think would actually be really compelling it's just unfortunately they didn't execute on it and um it's too bad and and Lazarus has a strange beard. I don't I don't know what's up with his beard, but it's well okay. So so Lazarus is our big guest star. It's a mm-hmm. huge guest star driven episode, and that's the, I think actually in terms of Trek history, the most notable thing about this episode is that they cast one of the Barrymores mm-hmm. to be in this episode. John Drew Barrymore, John Barrymore's son, and Drew Barrymore's dad. And um, I, I'm not telling tales out of school today to say uh, you know. The Barrymores had had some problems with substances. Mm, true, and I don't know if John Barry John Drew Barrymore was was high or drunk or or on a bender <laughs> or what, but they signed him to be in this episode. And on the morning of the first day of shooting, um, he didn't show up, and so they scrambled. They couldn't find him. <laughs> And they scrambled and they found this actor. They shot the first day without him. They shot scenes that he wasn't in, basically, using the standing sets. And they rapidly cast this guy and stuck his uh, the little beard on his face. And uh, apparently the costume was, like, tailored for John Drew Barrymore. And so they had to, like, change his costume and stuff to get him to fit in it. And it pushed the episode back and in a rare instance of this actually working they took a grievance to the screen actors guild and Mm -hmm. convened like a a panel of members of the guild including like charlton heston and stuff and uh and the screen actors guild suspended john drew barrymore for six months from acting because he was so unprofessional in his conduct by not showing up for star trek so that's like the most notable thing maybe about this episode is that they lost their guest star on the morning of shooting, had to cast the guy who does a fine job yeah. as Lazarus. I think he's fine. He's got a Paul Bettany quality to his voice. I, I thought like in my remake of the alternative factor, <laughs> why, why would that happen? No. I would cast Paul Bettany in that part as well, Lazarus. Paramount plus might be calling Jason. Oh they, man. They need Can, to fill the alternative time. factor, Star Trek, the alternative factor, the series. <laughs> But anyway, Robert Brown is not the problem with this episode, no. but like he it, it this episode and I like how there's some Star Trek histor- histories that are like, oh well, alas, because of all these problems, this episode is bad. It's like that is not why this episode is bad. <laughs> the script is why this episode is bad. Yes, it certainly doesn't help, but the the script is the main reason. I think even if uh we had a sober John Drew Barrymore in this role, it would still be a bad episode no. of Star Trek. Yeah, because or, yeah, or even a drunk John. Well, because yeah, yeah, because it, it it's not the problem. Like it it, it it's boring. I remember mm-hmm. as a kid, what I remember about this is the fight scenes, because I remember. So okay, they've got fifty minutes or whatever to do their Star Trek episode, and if you you know that if they've got material, they're going to put the material in. They're not going to put more scenes. There are like eight scenes uh, where so long. Uh, 
a Lazarus disappears and there's like the negative room where two guys wrestle <laughs> while there's a, a picture of space that's also there. Mm-hmm. And then music is playing because they're wrestling and it goes on forever and it keeps happening. And as a kid, that's what I remember of this as a kid is, oh God, the wrestling in the with the space and the negative and it's super boring. And I watched it as an adult and I said, oh yeah, this is super boring. <laughs> this is, what are they doing? And clearly they didn't have you know, enough material yeah. to fill the episode. So those, ep- those wrestling moments are really extended and just dull. They're not good. One of my notes says, Oh no, another fight sequence. <laughs> oh no. And they're not, I mean, cause you can't see and they're a negative and it really is like two men grappling. Like it's weird. Did they think it was exciting? Cause it's not <laughs> it exciting not. at all. Maybe they were enamored with the, uh, the reverse filter effect that they had or whatever you would call it. Um, but I, I, a negative, I think that's no, what it's called, but no, it's, it's not. Yeah. I did enjoy, they use, uh, the, 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 uh, newspaper twirling effect. Uh, oh yeah. Which I enjoyed just because I was like, it's, it's incongruous, but, uh, I guess they just thought it was wacky they're like yeah because they're trying to like show that the one lazarus is becoming the other other lazarus and all that so this is this is my other problem with this episode is it's very confused about what's going on here so lazarus at various points he says that he is a survivor of a a, a destroyed planet that was destroyed by this guy then he says he's a time traveler Mm -hmm. Uh, later we hear that uh, he says, he says, this is the, my planet, but in the far future after this guy's destroyed it, we finally find out that there is, it's like a, a door to a parallel universe. And in the parallel universe, they've discovered this ability to tra- like travel across parallel universes. Mm-hmm. But this guy uh, in apparently our universe didn't like that. And so he decided that his goal was to destroy his, his parallel self. So by the end of the episode, I'm like, so Lazarus was from our universe and where was he from and why is he here now and was he a time traveler it's just so confused about like who even the basics of who he is and why he's here in ways that that if they had if they had like come up with a coherent story for like he's a scientist on a on a research station and discovers a parallel universe and it drives him mad or something but it's just all over the place makes no sense yeah i don't know and this is continues uh last episode of random trek we i spoke to joe rosenseal about a matter of time which includes a time traveler who has stolen a time machine uh and tv's max headroom uh and so matt frewer that's a good one well it's not it's not great that was actually lost guest star episode too because that was going to be they tried to get robin williams to be in that yes it didn't work so they got matt frewer instead he was available the the canadian equivalent of robin williams He's like three dollars more, but he's still mm-hmm. good. they're Canadian dollars. It's it's different. Yes, uh, but the, I I couldn't help but assume that uh, the alternative factor was an influence to Rick Berman, who wrote A Matter of Time, just because there's a, a tiny little time travel ship and uh, a oh, guy no. who is a little bit of a con man. Although, of course, the alternative factor he's more a madman than a con man. But yeah, they, so there's a great scene, and and there are some really good scenes in this which is one of the reasons why i feel like it could have been much better than it was there there's a scene that happens way too late in the episode where spock basically says um 
It's as if there are two Lazaruses, <laughs> one who is sane and one who is insane, but the, oh, and gosh. one who has a big head wound and the other <laughs> yeah, who doesn't. Does not, yes. And yet it seems like there's only one of them, but I would say there were two. And Kirk's like, there are two of them, yes. And, and I'm like, guys, did you not figure that out 20 minutes ago? <laughs> That's why that they put the bandage up until on now? his head. <laughs> Like that, that was the big giveaway when, cause McCoy's like, uh, Jim, he used to have a wound on his head and now he doesn't. And he's like, stop bugging me, McCoy. I'm out of here. I'm like, very busy. This is, and, and, and that's another issue with Lazarus. Lazarus is given free reign to roam around the enterprise. Ugh. Okay. All of it, all of reality blinks on and off a few times. Super creepy. That's interesting. It's not great. They, this guy appears on the planet from nowhere, although he's from our universe. So why did he appear? We don't know. Uh, he goes down there. Uh, they go down there and find him. They bring him back up. And then he's just allowed to wander around yeah, the I, whole ship, which which leads to not one, not one but both Lazaruses stealing the dilithium crystals out of the Enterprise great. and nearly and killing that that lieutenant who was just trying to do a job. Yeah. So so why are you letting him out and about? He storms off the bridge at one point, and the security guys don't go with him. The security guys wait for him to leave, and then get the next elevator. And then, the, like five minutes later, or like two minutes later, there's a we we've lost track of Lazarus. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I was literally standing here while you lost track of them. So I, that part that part is frustrating, right? Because like it, it he's just allowed to to roam like that. It doesn't really doesn't make follow given the stakes of this whole thing and then you you know you've got the whole idea that he's he's both you know good and bad i guess it's i also had a realization that this seems like it's maybe a riff on dr jekyll and mr hyde mm. but but it's weird because you know the one lazarus is 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 kind of crazy and the other one is perfectly rational and yet knows that he's going from universe to universe, which is weird. It doesn't I, really tell anybody. I, I don't. I don't know, Scott. Like again, like maybe this made sense to somebody at some point, but whatever they shot, it just doesn't. It doesn't make sense. It, it's too. It's too bad because like the idea that the universe there's like a a, a, a parallel universe, an antimatter universe. They leap mm-hmm. to that at one point and they stick with that for the rest of the episode, like. And th- and that these two guys can never meet, and one of them is trying really hard to have them meet, and like there's something there, mm-hmm. but instead it's like they just go back and forth and do shenanigans with nobody paying attention for so long. Yes, oh. and, and it starts off with so the the blinking happens, and then a commodore calls up Captain Kirk, and he's like, "Hey, uh, that happened everywhere. It's a it's a code factor one," and Captain Kirk is like, "Oh." Yeah, I ran like this happened maybe two minutes before he gets the call from the Commodore. Right. And uh, the Commodore says, do you have any idea what it is? Because uh, it's focused coming from where you are. And Captain Kirk says, well, we went through all of the possible <laughs> solutions and we yeah. seem to think it's an, a start of a war. Well, like, it's, what? it's worse than that, too. It's like the, the phone call from the Admiral is like, oh, this is code one. That means invasion. Oh, well, put it on the screen. What do you think this is, Kirk? Well, uh, since it's a code one, I'm going to say invasion. And the Admiral's like, we think that, too. Well, we know because you use code one. We know it's, it's that that's what it is. You're just agreeing, Kirk. You're like, well, uh, let me. I know the answer to this one because it's a code one. I think it's an invasion of some sort. Um, mm, yes. Yeah. And they, they call all the ships back and say, okay, Enterprise, uh, you deal with this. Yeah, we're out of here because although this is going to affect the whole universe, it's worse where you are. So we're gonna 
You we're going to run out. away. The the uh, at the very beginning, Spock discovers what he calls a life object, which I also <laughs> thought was very strange. Which is apparently a person, know, also a spaceship. Takes him a long time to get to the fact that it's a human. He's like, mm, well, the temperature is ninety eight point six Fahrenheit. Yeah, it's basically a, seems to be walking a guy down around, there. and he's along with a weird UFO at Vasquez Rocks. Oh. We get a lot of great Vasquez Rock shots yes. in this episode. I did say they're outside, and that's always fun. So Yeah, it, it except nice. in the parallel universe, they're on a set. Yes, well, that's how you know. Which is, it's, yeah, they ran out of time because of the, the shenanigans with Barrymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had, I think, the very kind of weird but clever idea to shoot the parallel universe version of Vasquez Rocks on their soundstage so that it's weird and different. Mm-hmm. I kind of liked that, but it is really weird because you're like, oh, we're not outside anymore. <laughs> no, it does not. That's not outside. Uh, and there, there's no, some parallel good lines, too. Like when uh, Spock is like, uh, and Kirk is cranky in this episode. So so cranky. Uh, the the ship appears and like I guess some like radiation appears and he's like, it wasn't there before when you did your scan, Spock explanation. And Spock says, none. none. <laughs> and I just enjoyed that moment. Speculation. Uh. Yeah. stuff uh i want facts not poetry mister he says at one point it's a good kirk why, why kirk is he line. so cranky in this episode jason that's what i want to know i don't know even mccoy like he yells at mccoy mccoy's at his most charming like i'm just a old country doctor yeah. also uh there's a lot of uh engineering shenanigans here with the with the the stealing the dilithium crystals and, the, mm-hmm. and shorting out things so that there's smoke in engineering and unfortunate for this to be a script that was used without Scotty being in the episode cuz we keep asking sort of well shouldn't Scotty be involved and the answer is Scotty ain't there man nope. he's he's somewhere else we've got lieutenant uh Charlene Masters apparently yeah. as, uh, which is nice it's a black woman and she's wearing blue which is weird but she's clearly a, like a engineering lieutenant and Mm -hmm. it it leads to a weird moment on the bridge where she's like oh the the crystals are zapped uh captain and she's got her like clipboard there and uh he gives a great answer which is well as you know if we don't have the crystals our orbit will decay which is like yes as we all know it we all know we don't need to hear that and he tells her to reamplify immediately which i thought is like are you telling like the ensign on the bridge about this but apparently not she's a lieutenant she's in engineering this was like an engineering clipboard i don't know (laughs) well she was around and then she goes off to to reamplify them and then later he asks her i i don't really i will admit my attention roamed a bit during this episode Mm. Uh, i try to usually pay attention because i know we're going to talk about things but um it's hard (laughs) there's more wrestling and negative and it's just hard so for some reason she has to get a like a test chamber ready in 10 minutes for something maybe for dilithium crystals or something and then yeah they're recrystallizing the dilithium for some reason it's it's nonsense so she's she's doing that and then what what i think is possible one of the funniest things is lazarus goes in and knocks a guy unconscious in that room that she's in and then hides him behind like a tiny chair and she does not (laughs) notice yep that her her fellow crewman has been knocked unconscious and just slumped behind this chair that does not cover anything <laughs> it's a really good stealth role uh he made I that's guess, true i guess so it doesn't it doesn't really uh make sense but i was all. worried about her i was like oh no i don't want yeah. him to to hurt uh this lady and he doesn't so that's good. he doesn't no, no she's she's fine she, she tries to stay and in, in work and all the the smoke and stuff and the guy in the red shirt is like no you you i'm not gonna let you die here and they take they all they flee outside and then lazarus comes in with like a a rag over his face and steals and steals dilithium crystals the dilithium 
Yeah, they they refer to the dead planet down there, which I guess Vasquez Rocks is doubling as the dead planet. Although in the CGI version that's available, it's got a very nice lake. Look, yes. they're not very far away from a very nice large <laughs> lake. Uh, well, but it, again, is that his planet? Because there's nobody mm-hmm. there. And how did he get there? And why did he get there? And did he teleport there? Because that has nothing to do with the parallel universe. Is he from a different parallel universe, Scott? I, I don't understand. I don't know. And then Captain Kirk is like, "How if this is your planet and it was all life was destroyed, why weren't you destroyed with it? And he says, uh, I was uh, fixing a satellite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, are you lying later, about that? <laughs> I, do like, I do like the moment where, where Spock is like, Captain... Uh, if we use simple logic, we can tell that this man is a lying liar who lies and his <laughs> pants are on fire. It's like, all right, you got me. Yep, I'm Come completely on. lying. I'm, I am a liar. You you caught me. I just want to destroy my other copy in this alternate universe yeah. um, that will set off uh, an explosion that will possibly destroy both universes. Is and that again, so it's wrong? One of, it's one of those things where um, there was, what is it? There's a show, I don't want to spoil what show it is, but there's a show oh. about parallel universes. And one, there's a character in it who says something like, basically, um, they did what they what they felt was was natural a natural response to do, which is to kill their duplicate in the other universe. And I remember thinking, mm. no, no, <laughs> that is not a natural response to be like, ah, you mean there's a parallel universe? Well, I must go there and kill myself. No, that's try. that's biz- bizarre. That's bananas. You don't know. But here, it's very similar. It's like, well, he discovered the parallel universe, and then you know immediately what he wants to do is go there and kill himself. <laughs> <laughs> why i guess i guess because there should be only one of you so you have to kill the other one and, and it really gets us to that that core moment where they do realize two men different but identical it's not a hole it's a door there are two of them <gasps> mr spock and then come the really good questions which is but what's going on what's the purpose good questions good questions mm, don't know madness has no purpose captain uh. nor does this episode mr spock <laughs> It is true. This episode is not very logical. It mm, no, and it's again the little spaceship is weird. I don't know where they picked that up because that seems like something that they they found. I always thought it was confusing because it doesn't really have a door, uh, and you kind of just like step through the entryway, and it's a portal to another universe. Well, I, which is, I assume that the that part like telescopes and closes. Uh, that's what I'm. Assuming. I guess. I don't know. I guess I always it's thought weird. that ship it, is cute. So I, I and enjoy why, that It ship. is cute, but I don't understand it. And, no. and I also don't understand why the door is a portal. Wouldn't the ship be the... <laughs> and, then, and then when he's know. on the Enterprise, he doesn't use the door. He doesn't use the portal. There's this whole thing about, like, if he comes on his own time frame, he'll destroy the universe. But, like, they've been going back and forth Yeah, it's unclear all this time. what triggers these things, right? Because you think they show, they make a big deal of... Um, he has to get the crystals so that he can hold it up next to his door and then that will turn it into a portal that he can go to the alternate universe through a tunnel and uh, wrestle his other uh, copy. Uh, And then, but then throughout the episode, you get this not very interesting effect of like like superimpose a picture of like the galaxy over it. And that signifies that they've switched um, and the the universe is blinking. Um, But it just seemingly happens at random. Yeah, and it yeah, and like, the and the end is meant to be tragic because we meet. So on that parallel world where Kirk goes accidentally, which mm. is I think one of the most interesting moments in the whole episode, because like oh I didn't see that coming. Like now where's Kirk? And he goes over, and it's and it's a weird place because it is a set, but it also feels very weird. And Lazarus is there with another spaceship, and 
and he's he's not the crazy Lazarus. He's the normal Lazarus. And he's mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, Captain, you've come. Yes, that guy is bad, which he could have said when he was on the Enterprise. <laughs> could have let us know. Yeah, I, I don't know. But he says, like, look, this is what we have to do. He, if he comes over here to kill me, it's going to destroy both universes and it's, it's no annihilation good. of matter and antimatter, which, I, I again, it would be a big explosion, but I don't think it would destroy the universe. But anyway, let's just take them and at their also, word. Also, Captain Kirk is made of matter and now he's in a universe of antimatter. <laughs> yeah, that- yeah, I wondered about that, too. I wondered about mm. that, too. But the, his solution is, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, you're going to push the guy in, which he wants to go anyway, but by, but you pushing him in, he, it, it's different. Maybe he has, I figured maybe he's got like a light that says, oh, the other Lazarus is in the tunnel and you can't uh, go when that is. So mm-hmm. you got to wait. Uh, you force him in, I'll force him in and you'll blow up his spaceship and then we'll both be trapped. That'll do, and Kirk says, that'll destroy your spaceship too, right? And the guy no. goes, mm-hmm, that'll be very convenient for the story if it does, because there's no Enterprise over here to do that for me, so that's probably what will happen. Yes, Captain. <laughs> Doesn't um, make any sense. And and their goal is is like he it's tragic that, you know, he's going to do this because mm-hmm. he, he sacrificed you know, one himself. life. Yeah, for to save two universes, which mm-hmm. is great. But it's very weird metaphorically because like Star Trek, original Star Trek is very much into the whole idea like that uh let this be your last battlefield kind of thing or it's it's something where oh they're they're doomed to fight forever. Uh, isn't that poetic? But it's like, no, it's like a bad guy and a good guy and the good guy sacrificing himself. That's not poetic. That's awful. And and they try to get that across, which is what, a, but what of Lazarus? But, um, what of Lazarus? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Just stuck in that tunnel forever. Again, there is something, there is something here about parallel universes <laughs> and, uh, and duplicates and stuff like that, but but it's nonsensical. It really is, and boring because the it fights is. are super boring. It is boring. Now, couldn't they, Jason? Couldn't they just have blown up Lazarus A or I don't know which Lazarus, the our Lazarus, the matter Lazarus? Yes. Ship just blown it up, uh, and then or, or just blow him up, lock him up. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't kill him, but lock him up so that he uh-huh. can rebuild his ship because I assume he built it. I don't know. We don't know where the ship came from, but I'm going to we assume don't. he built it. Um, and then that solves the problem because then he can't go into the 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 tunnel and kill himself or his other mm. self, which would then kill us all. I don't know. But I guess they can be in the tunnel. So you, you, <laughs> <laughs> you don't don't do this to yourself, Scott. I have don't so do this questions. to yourself. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Why do they switch from universe to universe? I, I don't know. How did he come to be on the planet where he wasn't before? I. I started to piece this story together in my head as I was watching, which is that they're both from parallel universes. Oh. And one of them has popped into ours, and that's why he doesn't, you know, when he says, this is my planet, this is my Earth below me, and it's been destroyed by this madman and all that. I, I, I started to think, well, what if it is that they've, one of them has popped into our universe and now threatens our universe because they've been hopping from place to place and bringing their, their struggle. But when we meet the other Lazarus, although he does... You know, on the Enterprise, he steals stuff and all that. But, like, he seems like a reasonable guy. Um, and so we never get... N- the episode doesn't definitively say both Lazaruses are bad. Nor does it say there's a good one and a bad one. Really, it sort of says that, but yet... It's implied. I, you know, I, I would... Uh, so if it was like they're both they're both bad and it's spilled over into our universe from their universes and the only solution is to lock them up in a tunnel forever, in a negative tunnel forever then maybe that's a, an interesting story. Like the solution is to let them be alone together with their hate forever. But that's not what this 
story does. No. Hmm. And I wonder no. if they're locked, if you're locked in a tunnel with a version of yourself forever, um, I would imagine for a while you'll try to kill them uh, because that's what you've been doing. But then eventually you, you got to think that maybe you'll get over that. And, yeah. Wouldn't uh, you get tired? Just hang out with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, and then why, I don't know. So many questions. Why, why can they fight in the, like I think now traditionally in my mind, matter and antimatter uh, cannot touch. So that's the problem. Like if they touch, yes. then boom, explosion. Um, but they wrestle in that tunnel, so maybe they can yeah. touch in the tunnel. I don't know. Well, the first first thing I would do in my rewrite of this would be to take out the whole parallel with matter and antimatter and say, that's not it. The issue is that the universes are attached, and if the universes bump into each other, it will continue to cause these ripples, and it will basically mm-hmm. destroy all electromagnetism in our universe, and that will cause all the atoms to fall apart. And it'll that's be very bad. bad. So, mm-hmm. so it's just the union of the universes that's uh, the danger. See, that's better. And not the antimatter matter at all. And and there's an imbalance and we need to close the door. But this guy is insisting that the door has to be open because he needs to kill his duplicate for some reason. Or they're switching back and forth and he, wants he needs to, be the to only stop one. it. I, I don't know, Scott. I don't, I don't know. But And I wonder, actually, I wonder if the these ideas all were happening in various versions of the script. Mm-hmm. And that as it kept getting rewritten, it just became more and more confusing or whether it was just as confusing or more confusing at the beginning and there were attempts to make it more logical but it smells to me i have to say it smells to me like something that got rewritten to be more confusing than it originally was yeah and this that's something that as a uh i was gonna say as a casual star trek viewer but i've never been a casual star trek viewer but i have been a casual interested in television the television industry person. Um, it never really occurred to me. Like when I see, you know, written by whoever, uh, I would just assume that they wrote, like what they wrote is what I'm seeing on the screen, mm-hmm. uh, which is far from the case uh, right. for many things. So reading uh, the These Are the Voyages uh, uh, book about the kind of the behind the scenes of the original series uh, kind of opened my eyes to the fact that many of these episodes have been written and rewritten by several people and they're, sometimes been con, you know contentious and you know people right. wanting their names taken off it and other people wanting their names put on it because of all the work that they've done uh so i think you're right that this is probably you know gene roddenberry's friend gene roddenberry was an interesting man uh and so it seems that he had some friends who he just liked and uh nothing wrong with that he had a tv show his friend wanted to be a writer uh wrote this thing that probably in its its original format was not great and a lot of people took a crack at making it better. And this is, we got yeah, this episode. Like Gene, Gene Kuhn and maybe Stephen Carabastos both did rewrites on this. And there was another rewrite by Gene Kuhn. So he was trying. Also, just to throw this out there, this is a season one episode. It seems weird because most, right, the, the consensus is like season one is good. Season two is pretty good. Season three is terrible. Mm-hmm. However, it is episode 27. And part of me thinks like that this was one of the scripts that they kind of kept putting off until they couldn't put it off anymore. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case, but it, it seems because they did 29 episodes in season one, which is a ridiculous number of episodes. So many episodes. The, the counter argument would be that the next episode is city on the edge of forever. Maybe it's okay episode. with that one. <laughs> it's, it's all right. But according to memory alpha, um, the, uh, teleplay first draft teleplay was October 14th 66 second draft teleplay November 7th final draft by uh, either Kuhn or Carabastos 
November 11th. So that happened pretty quickly. Revised by Kuhn, November 14th. And then shot November 16th through the 25th. So they actually shot it pretty quickly. It's pretty straightforward. Um, and then it aired in March, uh, which is actually also pretty straightforward. So I don't know. I don't know what happened. I, you know, I, I don't, it's baffling, right? Like how did this episode get made? Because it doesn't make any sense. And yeah. I wonder if they knew that and they were just trying their best. Like, again, I would, I would argue, you know, you're cranking out episodes in 1967. You don't think anybody's going to watch them a second time. And it's true. it you, airs when it airs and you're done. It, and then you're done and you never have to deal with it again. And now 50 years later, more than 50 years later, people are analyzing these ones. And if you talk to the producers of, of the alternative factor, they would probably be like, yeah, that one got away from us. <laughs> <laughs> we tried our best. We had a, and that's the thing. If you're interested in kind of the behind the scenes stuff about television in general and Star Trek in particular, I highly recommend these are the voyages. There's an, uh, a volume for each season of the original series. Um, and the guy who wrote it, um, while I think, is sometimes overly generous in his assessment of the artistic value of some of yeah. the episodes uh-huh. <laughs> is uh, it's a fascinating look at all of the things that they, you know, kind of, cause as I said before, I didn't, I don't really having now that I talk about television episodes a lot, uh, I think about this, but before I never really thought about like, you know, budgets and scheduling and all that kind of stuff and how big an impact that stuff has on the episode that is produced. And so, you know, they have to, you know, they have, and, you know, your guest star not showing up the day of shooting yeah, probably threw everyone for a loop and you have to make it work. Well, and and they they didn't know. They, they had uh, ordered a bunch of scripts, but then they got an order for more episodes because they did do uh, 29. And you definitely get the sense from that book that they were scrambling where it's like, we got to get a script to shoot. Like, you know, and they, they would mm-hmm. not have a script to shoot. And they're like, well, what are we going to shoot next week? We have to shoot something and you have no script. And so they were under immense pressure. And it's not surprising that some stinkers kind of went through. This is production episode 20 aired 27th. So I do wonder if they shot it and then were like, mm, let's hold on to this one <laughs> for a while. Because... <laughs> It's uh, not very good, not. and they they kind of slid it away at the end of the season because it was it was shot I think twentieth and aired twenty seventh. Yes, uh, maybe then, NBC was like, let's not put that in February sweeps. Let's wait, yeah, let's, wait let's on that one. Put it, put it where no one will ever see it, and and surely no one in fifty four years will be talking about this episode. No, uh, it's just you look at what surrounds it, and it's like Space Seed. <laughs> Taste of Armageddon, oh, This Side of Paradise, Devil in the Dark, mm-hmm. Errand of Mercy, City on the Edge of Forever. And then this the alternative factor. <laughs> <laughs> and now I've said, people are probably sick of me saying this, but you look at the first season of Star Trek, uh, the original series, and it is just amazing how many really good episodes there are. Uh, and I'm surprised that there aren't more alternative factors in that first season because there are 29 episodes i mean they're not all great but there are some like excellent episodes of of television in in that first season uh and then some really solid star trek episodes um and they were of course you know yeah. making it all up. well this isn't it's fiction so they're making it all, up. all but up. but they're they're setting the foundation for this whole franchise which they yeah. didn't know at the time but uh all of those decisions that they made in this first season basically were you know, inform all the things that we are watching now. So it's very uh, impressive. I would say there are only, I'm looking here, I think there are a couple episodes that I might 
like less than this. Maybe not. I mean, Operation Annihilate's not bad. It's not great, but it's not bad. Um, I don't love Miri. Uh-huh. It's okay. Some people really like Miri. I don't. I don't love Miri. But like, I look at this and I think, what are, what are the clunkers? What are the, like the real losers of this first season? And it's like the alternative factor. Alternative it's factor. like a third. It's mm-hmm. like a third season episode that escaped into the first season. Yeah, it's it's not good. Oh man, Devil in the Dark. No. That's such a good episode. No, and I've revisited almost all of these first season episodes, and then there's the alternative factor, which is like, oh, <laughs> negative wrestling. We don't need. I'm that. against it. Balance of Terror. Oh, such a good right, episode. right. It's great, right? It's where season two, although it's got great episodes, it also like you know has cat's paw. So <laughs> there are also bad episodes, mm-hmm. and then season three is mostly bad episodes with some good episodes thrown in. But season one, yeah, it's quite a run. And Alternative Factor is just not. It, it was. I, I've got to think it's just a script that they had around, and they needed to. They need to film produce something. a script. Well, that's and, what I was talking about. Like they have a production schedule, which you know, I didn't really think about. And so they need to slot these things in. And then there are, like, as you said, they were just kind of scrambling at certain points. Like we have the budget, we have all the the stuff, like it's all lined up. We just don't have the script, yeah. which just to my mind, like it blows my mind that, that you could work that way. Cause I, I would just stress me out to no end. Right. But then, and like, that the script is not good, but it's got to shoot. So do another pass on it. And obviously, you know, that last Gene Kuhn draft was like three days before they shot it. So it was coming together really fast and um and who knows you know they may have looked at it and said this is the this is probably true they looked at it and said you know the script isn't great but this Lazarus role is really meaty mm-hmm. and Barry Moore is going to bring his gravitas to this and it's going to be a real tour de force for him it'll elevate and the material that's going and that'll carry that'll carry us through that episode and then he didn't show up <laughs> <laughs> Although, as we said, the guy who does Lazarus is doing a fine job. I mean, he's, he's fine. A little scenery chewing, but uh, it's, it's That's what kind it's of for. the role is there for yeah. him. He's, he's got a, a wacky beard and he's screaming, kill, kill, kill. You know, kill, it's kill, not subtle. kill, kill, kill. <laughs> and he's like falling gently off a rock in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Which I just laughed at. <laughs> watch out, Captain. Later, he's like, watch out, Captain. Uh, and then he falls. He, he like pushes a rock at Captain Kirk and then says, watch out, Captain. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's bad. It's bad. <sighs> it's, 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 it's. Why do you do right. this to me, Scott? <laughs> it's the universe that's doing it to you, Jason. Oh. I am, uh, but the little time ship that brings it to you. Mm. Or perhaps I'm a negative tunnel. It depends on, on your, uh, perspective. Well, I don't Dang. like it. <laughs> So this is so you you spend a little time uh, talking about how you would fix this. So let's say you had I I am uh, Gene Roddenberry, I guess, in this situation, and I say, hey, Jason, uh, my my buddy, my cop buddy friend, wrote this script, and I think there's something there, uh, but it's 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 rough. How, how do you fix it? Well, like I said, I I think um, I want to play up. If we're going to do the Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde thing, I want to play that up. I want to I want it to be, um, and and I think maybe the idea here is that because they did a good Kirk, bad Kirk episode, mm-hmm. that maybe uh, they wanted to steer away from that. Right, right? They want to go it's to that like, well too much. We did Enemy Within in episode five. Let's not go back there. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I might. I might get rid of the Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing, have it not be that they randomly switch bodies, but instead have it be that they meet Lazarus 
he is an interesting like scientist or something and they have an interesting conversation with him he's like on a star base or on a planet or something and then they meet lazarus again and he seems totally different and weird and it becomes this kind of a mystery about why is why is lazarus uh, this way and they get caught up in the fact that actually there are two lazaruses because they're um they're kind of ping-ponging across time or across parallel universes or something like that in this battle where one of them you know one of them has decided to eradicate the other one that, that would sort of be my pitch but the battle is causing a weird effect that it threatens our universe and the, you know ultimately what the enterprise has to do is get rid uh, is eject these lazaruses from our universe before they destroy it I, I think that's where i would go is like these guys have their grudge and they're going to take it out on our universe and we have to find a way to eject them both and maybe you know they, maybe you one of them is more reasonable than the other one, but ultimately I think you you have to They're get rid of problem. you have to get rid of both of them. And so maybe ultimately the solution is that you wall them off uh, in a universe where they have to deal with one another for eternity. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're trapped in a corridor for eternity as much like, <laughs> like they, they want to play this game where they're out foxing each other and you force them to basically sit down and ha- have to deal with one another on a, you know, a planet somewhere where it's just them. And then you, you kind of walk away. Um, except they just did space seeds. So not too close to that. <laughs> they had that right. idea. Yeah. Anyway, that's to me, that's what this is, is I like the idea that like it threatens our whole universe because of parallel dimensions crackling, you know, around us and crashing in on us and creating a, a hole and the fact that there's sort of like multiple Lazaruses and they're, you know, this guy is obviously a problem and he's brought his problem to us and now we need to get him out. <laughs> I think there is your story mm-hmm. and there would be, I would say, much fewer uh, incidences, <laughs> perhaps no incidences of wrestling <gasps> in, a, in a negative corridor. They, they bought um, that filter. They're going to use it. Ah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I would. And I actually really like the scene where Kirk goes to the parallel universe. I think that would be kind of interesting too. And again, I'm 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 going to reveal the the show now because it's been on streaming for ages now. But like, I, I might lean into this being like counterpart, mm-hmm. where there's a par- weird parallel universe that's not that's different, that's not like us. Maybe it doesn't have Starfleet, and. I could see Kirk or Kirk and Spock going over to it and being in a totally different planet and being like, what is happening here? And realizing what is going on with these Lazaruses that are, that are fighting. So that's, I guess off the top of my head, Scott, that's kind of my pitch is I would go, I I, I could keep like a little basic part of this, which is that it's a guest star. Who's this guy from multiple parallel universes, but I would, I'd pull out, a lot of the fighting <laughs> and I'd pull out like the, the I'm, I'm, I'm Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I think right. I would make it more a straight up science fiction. Like they, they're, they've opened a rip between universes and we need to close it, but maybe we'll go through the rip and, and see what's on the other side first, that kind of thing. Now, are you telling me he doesn't need to be a time traveler for inexplicable reasons? That comes out of nowhere, right? <laughs> and then they do nothing with it. I, I don't, I don't know the many, but again, as Spock says, uh, the only logical solution here is that you, or a liar That's in your true. pants just are on fire. Lying the whole time. I did also. I I like the idea of him. Uh, this Lazarus that like the mad Lazarus is has this alternate universe jumping machine, and he just goes and kills himself in every one, and he just wants to be the only Lazarus. And now, this is the final 
like the one he's killing in this episode is the final Lazarus. And- yeah, actually, that that's a good a good way to do it. Is like he he's uh, destroyed, or maybe even there's a science fictional reason. Like he had an experiment and he split off Lazarus. You know, there oh. there became all of these like maybe it's like into the spider verse right where there's mm-hmm. like oh now i've been revealed that there are all these alternate lazaruses and one of them is is crazy and is going to kill all the other lazaruses or something yeah that that could be that could be something like that but again i will keep the line i fail to comprehend your indignation sir because i have reached the logical explanation that you are a liar <laughs> because that's great that's the Spock best does have some good lines in this episode yes. and all while having a, apparently a very bad cold because oh, yes. I don't know if you noticed that in Spock's voice. Spock very much has a cold in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and a lot of uh, random crew people get punched and knocked out. And mm-hmm. I feel bad for them. Uh, no yeah. one seems to care. Like the, the transporter guy gets knocked out and then right. Kirk, I'm assuming is a different transporter room. Although I don't know. I, I made a note to see how many transporter rooms oh, the Enterprise had. So I like that, that Lazarus is, is so good at what he does that he continues his... Uh, I I got turned around and lost. He like continues saying whatever he's saying to the transporter guy after he's knocked him out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he continues like he's like, oh, I must have bang, gotten lost. I'm like, uh, you could stop now. That's he right. knows that you, that wasn't it. It's it's think, all a pretense. I think your lie is, uh, has yeah. been exposed. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Uh, oh, it's, look, it's not good. look at how much we talked about this dumb episode. <laughs> we did talk about a lot, and then it ends with you know Captain Kirk very. Uh, uh, kind of dramatically saying because Spock says at least the universes are okay and uh, Captain Kirk says for you and me but what of Lazarus but what, what of, Laz- of Lazarus and then it's the end mm-hmm. but he's a jerk so I don't care if he's stuck in trapped forever with a raging madman at your throat <laughs> like this podcast <laughs>